With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week on a special episode of The Big Show, we discuss the well-lived life and enormous legacy of Cicely Tyson. Two-time Oscar winner Russell Williams will join us as we look back on the seven-decade career of a cinematic giant. We'll have all that and more on episode 440 of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. All right, and welcome to latest special episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon. I am joined by my co-host, Charles Kirkland, Jr. How are you, Charles? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm more cherishing the day, you know, if nothing else. All right, and we're also joined by uh, not just the colleague and not just the two-time Oscar winner, but a friend, close friend of mine, uh, Oscar winner Russell Williams II, Russell, welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon, sir. Glad to be here. And uh, as I always say, any day above ground is a victory. And in this climate, you know, I'm not even exaggerating. Amen to that. All righty. Well, gentlemen, uh, this week is going to be a very special show. Uh, normally, we would have uh, our show correspondent, Wilson Morales, would join us. Uh, it just so happens that uh, everyone's at Sundance this weekend. I was left back with Charles, so we got Russell. Uh, in the middle of planning for our show this week, uh, we had an entirely different show planned, and then Thursday happened, and I got on the phone, or I actually reached out to Russell late last night, talked to Charles on Thursday night, and I have immersed myself, uh, gentlemen, for the last, I would say, 36 to 48 hours watching uh, not necessarily the, the larger films from Cicely Tyson, because those films I'd seen, but I went back and saw her debut film yesterday, uh, the 1956 film Carib Gold. I watched uh, a 1963 series that she was the only African-American or Black cast member on a network show, East Side, West Side, yesterday. Uh, I looked at A Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. Uh, <laughs> I saw The River Niger, so I'm like... I am deep into my Cicely Tyson, and I just scratched the surface, man. I mean, I, I watched a little of uh, the autobiography of Jane, rewatched it for the, for the first time in like 40 years, the autobiography of Jane Pittman. Uh, and then I was watching her Oscar winning or Oscar nominated, excuse me, performance as Rebecca Morgan in Sounder. And then there's just so much material. And I had talked to some folks uh, both Charles and Russell before 
uh, embarking on this adventure today. And I told them how challenging this one was. Um, we've lost people before and have had to do shows on Ruby D and Chadwick mm -hmm. Boseman and so many others. But what made today different for me is that Cicely Tyson had a seven decade run of, of impactful television shows, movies, theater. I was like, man, I don't know how we can get all this stuff into an hour. So without jumping in, without any further ado, I'm going to lead off with you, Russell. Um, you worked with Ms. Tyson two times in your career. Um, talk to us about those experiences and, and, and your recollections. Well, thank you, Tim, and, and good to see you again, Charles. Um, I, I mean, you know, since, since this thing started, and, and uh, you know, there's been a lot of loss in the year 2020, uh, a lot of important people that we talk about in front of the camera, some behind the camera. And then I just want to say it was Monday or Tuesday, uh, I believe the New York Times came out with a long piece on, on Sicily, and I had been reading that. And then, you know, it seemed like the very next day, you know, I got, uh, I think Variety or Hollywood Reporter came up with a, with, with a notification that Miss Tyson had passed away. And I was like, what? I said, well, wait a minute, that can't be right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just, I was reading about that lovely lady of that, that previous morning, but yeah, I, I worked with her first in, uh, well, the year was 1988, but the, the show was released in 89. It was the Women of Brewster Place. And, um, you know, as such a presence on and off camera, uh, you could say diva, but nothing negative about the term diva when it came to her, because she just had class. She just had a very regal presence to herself, but she was also very down to earth. Uh, as, I, as I recall, she pretty much stayed in character while she was on set. And um, the second piece that I worked with her on was another television uh, production. And, and, and the, the circle of, of love there, it was really amazing because in Sounder, one of her two sons was played by Kevin Hooks. And on this piece, Heat Wave, which was uh, about the first African-American reporter that worked for the LA Times, she's in that. Kevin Hooks, who had been her oldest son in, 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 in um, Sounder, was the director. And then uh, Kevin's dad, Robert Hooks, also had a, a small role in Heat Wave. So, you know, the history was just amazing. Uh, just, just to see her in character, just to see her work with the other uh, cast members, but also just how everybody on set was just really like, I mean, it's like we're working with a true honest to God legend, no hype, no entertainment tonight. This was a true legend, a woman who broke open so many doors, uh, the way she picked her roles. So even if she was playing someone who was a domestic or, you know, uh, someone who had almost no means as a sharecropper, uh, she still brought the dignity to, to that role so that, and, and, and of course, with her complexion, there, were, there was no ambiguity about what her ethnicity was. Um, I had fallen in love with her way before this uh, time uh, because as, as a devo devotee of Miles Davis's music, 
when I saw that profile of hers on the album cover Sorcerer, I was like, man, I said, I she looked good on TV, but like, man, I said, yeah, there it is. I mean, it, it's like, okay, so I, I'm automatically fully fledged in love with this person. And then uh, I didn't even know at the time that, that she and Miles were an item. Um, it didn't work out the way she wanted to. She actually brought Miles back to health, uh, got him off of drugs and all of that. But as, as they say in church, at a certain point, you know, he, he backslid and, and the relationship didn't end well. And I was reminded of, reminded of that very subtly because uh, I got in trouble on Women of Brewster Place because I was the kind of person behind set uh, doing sound. I always had music going between lighting setups and camera setups. And so I had some miles going. You know, it's just one of the things that was going on that day. And, and I, I can't remember whether it was her personally or an assistant director came over and says, I think it was a, a, an AD because I said, um, Ms. Tyson requests that you don't play any Miles Davis. I said, you know what? That completely slipped my mind. Let me go into some John Coltrane, you know, without Miles as, as a sideman, uh, as a matter of fact. But, you know, uh, I mean, how, how, how do you honor someone who's done so much in her lifetime on and off camera. And of course, before that, she was a, a groundbreaking model, you know, before uh, she got into theater and television and film. Charles? Well, first of all, I wanna thank everyone to for coming out for my show, cause this is the, the time of year when I usually run the show because, you know, everyone else is off doing Sundance. So I'm happy that you would have joined me on my show this week. Um, but as, as uh, Russell was saying, I think one of the big things for me was that she was only married to Miles Davis. She never remarried after that, after they divorced a couple weeks after I was born. Um, and I mean, I'm 52 years old. So she was a, a single for 52 years, and but she devoted herself to working as an actress. She said many times, that I'm gonna work <laughs> until I die. And she had a book, uh, a book reading or signing a virtual thing that was supposed to happen on Wednesday and she passed before it happened. So, I mean, it was just, like she said, she was dedicated to, um, she was dedicated to her husband uh, that, and then she was dedicated to her career. So, but uh, mm -hmm. Tim, you have something to add? Yeah, both, both Russell and I are trying to explain to you that she was married uh, prior to Miles. She married Kenneth Franklin in 1942 and divorced him in 1956. She was uh, unwed for 25 years and she married Miles, Miles in 1981 right. and they divorced in 1989. Yeah, I did get that backwards. Yeah, you're right. No, no, no. I'm just, I mean, but, but you know, I just wanted to make sure because there are folks that are going to watch this. I, wanna, I don't want you... Uh, to get a lot of hate mail uh, because you got Tisley Tyson's marriages and personal situations incorrect. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But, but, I, but I think, gentlemen, what I want to talk about is the overwhelming, uh, you know, grief, collective grief that has been shared online. We've seen it in the news, social media, everywhere. And I thought about that uh, on, on Friday when I was writing uh, my appreciation, my or my in memoriam, and I and what I've come up with 
is, you know, I was trying to explain to someone close to me yesterday that when you're talking about a 70 year career, that's almost like three generations, right? And, you know, her first film, she co-starred with uh, Ethel Waters. But for people who don't know, if you know films like Stormy Weather and Cabin in the Sky, Ethel Waters in 1940s were, it was in both those films. And then she also had a short run uh, sitcom called Beulah in early 1950s. Right. So the fact that- Yeah, I remember that. I know. Well, you shouldn't. You're aging yourself. Don't say you remember that. Uh, <laughs> hey man, sixty-eight and feeling great. So but hey man, the fact don't hate now. Tyson <laughs> co-starred with Ethel Waters in her first film, and then there was through the nineteen sixties there was a collection of gentlemen, and into the nineteen seventies, I would say from nineteen fifty-six to probably about nineteen seventy-nine, there was uh, uh, Paul Winfield that she did both Sounder and Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. James Earl Jones, right. a very young James Earl Jones, right. did television work with. Uh, she later did um, The River Niger with him. Um, you also look at actors like Louis Gossett Jr., who appeared in several of those mm -hmm. films. So, and then, so that's one generation. And then you look uh, where she's not necessarily in theaters after 1981. I think there was Bustin' Loose. And then she didn't make another film until 1991. But as Russell could attest to, she worked in television, very active, uh, you know, the women in Brewster Place, uh, the Marva Collins story. I mean, there were so many groundbreaking things that, uh, that, that Cicely Tyson did. So it was, it was almost as if she inspired people at the early part of her career. And then from like 1990s until earlier this week, all the people that she inspired put her in projects. So Ava DuVernay, Tyler Perry, mm -hmm. Chandra Rhimes, everybody right. wanted to make sure that Cicely Tyson was able to bring that grace, that eloquence, that, that fashion style, that everything about her to the screen. She was, she was a grand dam. She was well loved by everybody. Charles, I'll start with you, man. I mean, am I... Am I kind of correct when we talk about the cross-generational appeal of Cicely Tyson? You know, I, I think you're absolutely correct in that, like, she, she worked for 70 years. I mean, on different things from one hmm. realm to the other. And I remember the a Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. I, I want to say it was an after-school special. It may not have been, but I remember watching it as a child, uh, as a young child. And uh, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. And then you get to these years where she was doing things like uh, um, How to Get Away with Murder and and heaven forbid the Tyler Perry things that she had done. Uh, everyone knew Jane, uh, uh, Cicely Tyson just because she was always there and just carried herself so well that, you know, she was a force. Every time she was on the screen, she commanded the screen. And so it was impossible for you not to recognize her or not to love her, not to know her. So yeah, across generations, when when the word came out, and I, I always use this as a gauge, whenever the word comes out and my, my children come up to me and say, so-and-so, so this has passed, 
they all came up to me, hey, dad, did you hear? Did you hear? And moments after I had already heard, they're coming up to me because they're connected to their phones all the time. Cicely Tyson, Cicely Tyson, Cicely Tyson. And they could tell me where they knew her from and what she had been in. So yeah, I, across multiple, multiple generations, the woman has been a star. Now, Russell, for you, you'd appreciate this. Cicely Tyson acted alongside Diana Sands, Robin Givens, mm -hmm. and Viola Davis. Think about that range of what I'm talking about when you're talking about cross generations, man. So am I spot on? Because again, I, I thought about this yesterday because I spent a lot of time watching her earlier work and I, I was amazed by some of the actors that I saw like at the early part of her career. And I was like, wow. And then in the middle part of her career, you start right. seeing different actors and then toward the end, an entirely different breed of actors. Yeah, I mean, like, let's look at uh, Women of Brewster plays because uh, there was a TV series and then there was the, the, the TV movie. So I worked on the TV movie. On, on that one, we had Oprah Winfrey, Mary Alice, Olivia Cole, Robin Givens, Moses Gunn, Jack Hay, uh, Paula Kelly, who we lost not too long ago, Leon, Lonette McKee, uh, Lynn Whitfield, Paul Winfield, as you already mentioned, uh, William Allen Young, um, the list goes on down the line, uh, Eugene Lee, uh, Glenn Plummer, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the great uh, playwright Douglas Turner Ward had a role in there, another playwright uh, and, and uh, TV writer Sam Art Williams. Uh, I mean, it, it, was just, it was just amazing to see everybody, and Lorenz Tate, as a matter of fact, was, was in that. Uh, was in the Women of Brewster Place in Heat Wave. You had already mentioned James Earl Jones. Uh, so Cicely played uh, Ruth Anna Richardson. Bob Richardson, who is played by Blair Underwood, was uh, portraying the first African American reporter at the LA Times. Uh, but in that cast, we also had Margaret Avery, uh, David Strathern, uh, Bondi Curtis Hall, uh, mm -hmm. Adam Argan was in there. I had mentioned uh, already Robert Hooks, uh, Sally Kirkland, um, you know, so, and, and everybody on that set, I mean, all, people who already had careers that were almost as long or even just getting started, everybody, you know, was like high hosannas every morning she came to set, she always came to set with a smile. Um, she was serious about the work, but she wasn't so serious that she could just be you know, just good people and, and just gave everybody else uh, the, the energy to do their best, you know, to feel comfortable. And, you know, when we're comfortable, she's comfortable and vice versa. And, and there are very few people, and, I, and I've worked with, with some real names and people I highly respect. Um, she just carried hers very quietly. You know, she wasn't like, hey, y'all, I'm here, you know, you know, bust the doors open, a clear path for me. No, uh -uh. I mean, unless that was what she had to do on camera. Right. Off camera, she was just class personified. So, again, let me throw out some more names for you, because this is all a part of that connection. Uh, Harry Belafonte and Odds Against Tomorrow back in 1958. Uh, a Man Called Adam with Sammy Davis Jr. in 1966. Right. Um, you think about, hold on a second, uh, Richard Pryor, of course, in right. Busted Loose, uh, <laughs> Kathy Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes in 91, oh. 
right. Lawrence Fishburne in Hoodlum, Hoodlum. which Hoodlum. is a film. Hoodlum, I, yeah. I, Russell, please tell me you worked on Hoodlum. No, no. But no, she didn't work on Hoodlum. Man, that gave me another additional reason to like you even more, man. But she was in that with Bill. Yeah, I, uh, Bill Duke was the director, and you had Andy Garcia. Right. You had, yeah. You had right. Tifa, you had Chai McBride, all of them in there. So, I mean, great film. As I was going through uh, uh, retrospectives on, on her, you see pictures of her, and, 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 I, and I saw that one picture of her with Lawrence Fisher, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that movie, and and I saw the kiss that she shared with uh, with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's just she's everywhere. It's incredible. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's everywhere, man. It's funny. I uh, I did a radio show uh, last night in Philly, and I was explaining that because um, I switched my hats. I said, you know, as the creator of the Black Real Awards. Uh, she won four Black Real Awards from us, and we honored her back in 2018 with a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, Cicely Tyson, I compare in film to what Michael Jackson was for me in music, right? When Michael Jackson, you know, I was a kid, and Michael Jackson, it was probably a couple of years older than I was. And I just, I, I don't want to use the word took for granted, but, you know, when you see a person or there's a presence that's constant in your life, it's always there. It's like, okay, well, Michael mm -hmm. Jackson's always there. So when he died, I went, wow. So he's no longer there. And I'm like almost 50 or over 50. Um, I feel the same way about Cicely Tyson. Cicely Tyson, uh, as I said earlier, starred, she was the only African-American cast member on a show on network television when I was born. So that tells you <laughs> She has been, right. she's been there all your life. I mean, you're 68 years old. Right. Oh, absolutely. She, yep. She's been there acting all your life, Charles, the same exact way. Um, it's so funny. You would talk about Russell earlier about uh, the release of her book, Just As I Am. It's so odd because I think the book came out on Tuesday, but on Monday on social right. media, I saw all of these pictures popping up with people posing that they got their Just As I Am book and all of these pictures of the book. She's doing interviews. I was told this morning that she passed on Thursday and she did her last interview. I think it was on, uh, what is it called? The, the ABC. On Monday. On one Monday or two. Freehand normally is on, but a she's yeah, on that right. show Wednesday morning. So, yeah, good morning. Good morning, She did the Gail, the Gail King interview was on Tuesday, but this was right, like she the did. following day. Right. Um, so the fact that, that, you know, even, right. even in transitioning, the fact that she just went to sleep and it was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm giving you guys all I can give you. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, even that was done with a level of class and eloquence that I thought was absolutely, I mean, and it's kind of, I don't want to sound morbid, but you know, if, if you had the line of saying, can I go to sleep and I'm just good. I think 10 out of 10 people would stand in that line because <laughs> I mean, that's what right, you want. Right. Uh, you don't want to have long illness and pain and all that. And Cicely Tyson, I will simply say from watching the autobiography of Jane Pittman, the fact that she made that movie at the age of 50, Russell, and, they, and Rick Baker right. and uh, aged her, even at 96 years old, she looked nowhere close to what they aged her. <laughs> right, exactly. It's crazy. Like, it's right. like she was 15 years younger 
than than Jane Pittman was, and she looked nothing like Jane Pittman. So that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that Jane Pittman was 110. So that's that's I mean, but hey, <laughs> she still looked better than, than what they did. For way me. better than Jane Pittman, bro. <laughs> so yeah, Russell. I mean, so, go ahead, Russell. And her, I mean, her contributions to the arts uh, behind camera. I mean, she was the co-founder of a Dance Theater of Harlem with, with Arthur Mitchell. I mean, things, was things really? like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that. I mean, this this woman really was about elevating uh, what we would say in the in the '60s for sure. You know, that black is beautiful. Well, you know, she made that. Uh, or reality before it was coined as a buzz phrase, and and she lived her life uh, from what I could see working with her. But just every time I saw something about her in the press that I can recall, there was nothing negative uh, about anything that she had done in the press. Um, you know, she basically uh, had this standard that she lived up to, and it you were asking her to demean her principles in a role just for whatever the, the monetary gain was gonna be, um, that wasn't happening. And even if it was a role on paper that maybe you think you would assume she wasn't gonna be satisfied with, she brought such dignity to it that she turned this around. I mean, she turned this whole concept, if you're gonna play the help, then the help doesn't have to be, you know, the way it was portrayed in the twenties and thirties, you know what I'm saying? You could still, you know, scrub floors and do all this stuff and still have dignity mm. about that. Because I mean, we all know aunts, uncles, great aunts, grandparents, you know, who may have been sharecroppers, who may have been domestics, you know what I'm saying? And the, the way that Hollywood portrayed those roles typically was not to give those people any sort of dignity or any sort of agency. So uh, when you cast uh, Cicely Tyson, you knew that you weren't going to get a, a back, you know, head scratching, you know, bent over in the back mammy unless in, in Jane Pittman, she was so old that she needed that game because her spine was given out, but she probably could have whipped everybody's butt on the set even then, even, even in makeup. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. I'm reading, man, that uh, she was godmother to Lenny Kravitz. Uh, she's also mm. godmother to Denzel Washington's oldest daughter, Katia. And she's also godmother to Tyler Perry's son, Amon. Uh, for our Divine Nine uh, listeners today or watchers, she was also an honorary member of Delta Sigma Theta. And it's funny, man, because, you know, I was looking, Russell, over... Um, some of the other honors that she received. She was a Kennedy Center honoree in 2015. She received uh, from President Barack Obama the Presidential Medal Freeman Freedom, excuse me, uh, the highest civilian honor in November of 2016. And just last year, she was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame. Um, all honors, and she got an honorary Oscar as well. Um, I want to say the honorary Oscar, even though they don't have it here. I know Ava DuVernay presented it to her. So it, it would have been within the last two or three years. I don't have the date and my apologies. It was actually in 2019. And I always 2019, say- 2019, thank you. I always say that the Oscars co copied after the Black Real Awards after we nominated her the year- Yeah, we gave her the honorary in 2018. I mean, yeah. 
you, you mm. get in where you can fit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but folks who are just joining us, we're joined by my co-host Charles Kirkland Jr. and two-time I, I love saying it, two-time Oscar winner <laughs> Russell Williams the second. Um, Russell has been promising me, I don't know, 10 years now that he's going to put me in touch with the other two-time Oscar nominee, I mean, Oscar winner, uh, you know, a fellow sound mixer. We, we still waiting, man. I, I don't understand, Charles. Maybe if you ask Russell, maybe he'll do it for you. I don't know. Well, well what happened was we were supposed to do uh, Black Real, not Black Real, but we were supposed to do the film fest. Right. And then two different, two different years, uh, of course, this past year, uh, the pandemic hit. Right. And I think the prior year, uh, Mr. Willie Burton was over in Europe uh, doing Tenet. Uh, and um, yeah, so, we, but yeah, I mean, it was Christopher getting, getting in touch with him. Yeah, I mean, getting, getting, getting in touch with him is not, is not a problem. And then, uh, of course, we have uh, two other two-time Oscar winners on the cast side. Uh, my problem with this whole uh, club is it's only guys. So uh, we need to hurry up and get some of these wonderfully talented young ladies in the African-American two-time Oscar winner club because I know the conversation would be richer and, 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 and just, you know, a lot more diverse. Uh, as opposed to just four guys sitting around well, uh, luckily for you, talking about the, the business or the, whatever. No, I was going to say, luckily for you, Russell, one of the uh, Oscar winners who can join the two-time Oscar winner club and has a really good shot this year is in the best actress race, which would be uh, Viola Davis. And mm-hmm. I have not had an opportunity because Russell and I normally are texting each other back and forth uh, talking about films we've seen and, and, you know, performances that may have a shot. Um, Viola Davis, I think, almost certainly is in this year as a nominee. I'm not saying that as, as a voter, because Russell is the voter. But I think Viola Davis's chances this year are really solid, along with Frances McDormand for uh, Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan mm-hmm. for Promising Young Woman, and I'm also thinking that a strong, strong consideration is going to go to Vanessa Kirby for um, Pieces of a Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That last slot, okay. it, I think, is going to be highly contested. And I think right now the two front runners and Russell, you know, if you've seen these films, don't don't say a word. is going to come down between Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie and Andre Day. For the U.S. versus Billy Holiday, which I watched for for like the third or fourth time last night, my God, that's an amazing performance, man. <laughs> I mean, the fact, I mean, if you don't know anything about Billy Holiday and you just go back and Google, and then you watch what Andre Day has done, she lost forty pounds. She sings Billy Holiday's songs. You know, you can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, when, whenever I hear an actor say this, and Russell, you've you've heard this before. Whenever I hear an actor say. You know, I stopped taking projects for a year. I, I, I kind of, you know, took in everything I could take in from the subject that I was going to play. I totally immersed myself in a role. And when you see it on camera, you can tell she did. And I think Lee Daniels or whoever came up with the screenplay, I think the screenplay, Russell, you remember uh, Lady Sings the Blues. 
Um, right, absolutely. I think, I think this is a I, – I, I, no disrespect to any Diana Ross fan out there. I think this is a richer performance. I think – Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere – and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's a grittier performance. It definitely is a grittier definitely, performance. Definitely. Um, I, I just think the screenplay, no disrespect to Barry Gordy, is much better. What Lee Daniels has done, he's upgraded his story. And, you know, while I may or may not agree with the angle that the film takes as it relates to the dogged pursuit of the government, I just thought Andre Day, my God, I watched it again last, I was watching it last night. I was like, <laughs> that's a, now that's a performance. Well, I, now that's, that's one I'm, I'm, I'm excited to now be able to see uninterrupted because um, as an Academy member, uh, and even though they do still, some companies are still sending us DVDs, uh, a majority of the Academy screeners have been a secure digital uh, link. And uh, now I, I'm supposed to have Verizon, uh, uh, what do they call it, Fios? Fios, yeah. And it's, it's I, I call it Verizon Phalos because, <laughs> you know, it, it'll just... You know, it's 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 worse than Zoom freeze, right? And so, just yesterday, I want to say, uh, the Academy sent out notices to the members that said that you can now find us on uh, Roku. And and sure enough, you know, if you go down through the channels, you'll see an Academy channel. Now, of course, you're going to have to uh, log on with your academy credentials. So if you don't have that, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry, don't, don't try unless, unless you're an expert hacker. I'm not encouraging that because then that's a federal beef. Uh, you'll be somewhere in an adjoining cell probably with, our, with number 45 somewhere. <laughs> but so I, I just stopped watching things on that. But now that we have a Roku, I can see it. I mean, it's still on a smaller screen than I would prefer but I'll be able to see it uninterrupted because that's one of the performances that uh, my wife and I were gonna look at the other night. And I was like, you know, I'll end up throwing something at my very widescreen television because it's like, and you know, as much of a devotee of Billie Holiday, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put up with that. And, and yes, I, I, I remember uh, Lady Sings the Blues uh, very well. And I thought that Diana Ross did a credible job, but um, she's not, to me, the actress uh, in, in the same league that we're talking about. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, she did a solid job. Uh, Billy D, of course, was excellent in the film. Um, I just, I just think that the things that are that are up this year. Uh, I, I, if, if Viola Davis does not get a nomination, it'll be a crime. I mean, because I mean, just from just from just from the presentation, it's like you got to find Viola Davis in there. So, oh, okay, it is Viola Davis. And then just the way you know she threw her weight around, literally, and. You know, she's like, no, 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 no. You know, who's running? I'm running this. You know, this is how we're going to do this. I mean, uh, and 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 I think that um, the the issue this year with with the academy is going to be a. Uh, it's been uh, it's been great for the documentary category because, of course, they've released a lot of restrictions on how many film fests or virtual fests you would have to either place in or, or win an award in. So there are so many more films available in that category, so many more films available in, in the foreign language category. But um, I still would other picks. Uh, I thought Nomadland is, is, is a pretty solid nomination as, as well, for sure. You know what I'm saying? But I think um, it's, it's gonna be a very competitive year all around. Um, I, I did finally get to see your favorite film this year, Tim, uh, which was Tenet. Excuse me, I, I didn't mean I mean I didn't mean to do that on, on camera. And you know, there's there's some great sequences in there, but I'm like, all right, all right, this is one I'm gonna have to watch over again because um, you know, I mean, now I know I loved Inception. You know what I'm saying? I loved every frame of Inception. This one, I'm like, huh. Russell, let me, I mean, let me pivot for a second because I want to ask you a question. Pivot, sir. Yeah, I want to ask you because this is a topic that we broached on the show before. And as a historian, um, I'm very curious about this. Um, in, the, in the, this is the year 93 of the Academy Awards. Am I correct? Yeah. Right, okay. correct. So in the previous 92 years of the Academy Award, there are a total of five people who have won three Oscars. There's one person that's an actor that's won four, and that would be Katherine Hepburn. There's one director right. that has four Oscars, and that's John Ford, right? Uh, inside right. of this five club, I know it's Jack Nicholson, it's Daniel Day-Lewis, it's Merle Streep. Um, there was a character actor who did a lot of Westerns with, uh, with John Wayne. I forget the guy's name, uh, who has three as well. I can go and probably pull it up. But I want to talk about, the I think, the perceived politics around that kind of semi-Rush, Mount Rushmore-ish level of the academy because it's hard i mean you can get two mahershala ali got two you can get two oscars mm -hmm. pretty quickly mm -hmm. it's hard to get a third oscar and i want to talk yeah. about that russell is that is that something like we we as the general public are not privy to that you may have some insider information on why it's so difficult because i look at denzel washington right and Denzel Washington, of course, we know, didn't win the Oscar for Malcolm X, which I thought was a, was a gross miscarriage right. of justice. Um, Russell Crowe should have won the Oscar 
uh, the year Denzel Washington won for training day, but that BAFTA blow up threw off a lot of voters, or at least that's what we were told. Denzel Washington should have been the odds on favorite to win his third Oscar for Fences. And the fact that they gave it to Casey Affleck still, I mean, I thought the Malcolm X one bothered me. I mean, at least when he lost in Malcolm, the year of Malcolm X, he lost it to Al Pacino. So Al Pacino, master right. actor, can respect Al Pacino. Maybe I don't respect Casey Affleck <laughs> much in the same way, which is why that still bothers me tremendously today. So I'm saying all that and to set it up to go, what is the politics behind why Daniel Day-Lewis has won three Oscars, but Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, and Denzel Washington are on the outside looking in, and they are every bit the actor that Daniel Day-Lewis is. I mean, I mean no disrespect to anybody who loves Daniel Day-Lewis. Denzel Washington, Robert De Niro, <laughs> and Tom Hanks, you can put, that's your own Mount Rushmore right there with those three on it. So I, I, I'm quiet now, Russell, you go. <laughs> well, um, I, I don't know if, if I can give a, an answer that would satisfy you. I, I think the, uh, the character actor you're, you're thinking about is uh, Walter Brennan. Yes. Uh, who was a, a, a three-time winner. And, and I, I think, in, in more recent history, so we're talking about, say, from the 60s forward, then there became, uh, and of course, I wasn't a member then. I didn't become a member of the Academy until 1990. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden, once the Academy really started to um, feel its power and the prestige, they've kept, a, uh, kept a, a, a pretty much a firm grip on, say for instance, expanding the nominations in certain categories. So it was only after Dark Knight that they went back to a total of 10 for best picture because they had had that years before and then they brought that down to five. Um, one of the things that Tim and you and I have talked about and maybe Charlie as well, is that when you uh, look at the Golden Globes, and then later on the Screen Actors Guild Awards when they added ensemble, or, or they also have, you know, separating drama and comedy and musical categories. That also gives you more opportunity to add nominees, right? Which gives more people an opportunity. Uh, then you get the uh, sort of discussion from year, in certain years where, say for instance, where this person has had a storied career and has been nominated and has never won, Right, so rather than give someone their third Oscar or their second Oscar, maybe we should give this person their first Oscar after all these years. And by that, I mean first competitive Oscar. Right. Um, I have a whole different reason why uh, Denzel didn't win for Malcolm because he certainly uh, filled up the entire screen and he was also supported by a wonderful cast in the film. Um, I, I kind of didn't feel that he was going to win for fences in the sense that mo I, I'm assuming because, you know, it's not like we all get together as voting members in kibitz. At least if they do, I'm not part of that conversation. But because he was so strong uh, on the stage with that role, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if they felt that there wasn't anything spe specifically cinematic that he brought to that role that was different. Uh, than he would have done on stage when he played that particular character on the screen. Um, 
but yeah, Tom Hanks, uh, uh, what was it, Captain Phillips? Now, for me, that would have been an easy third Oscar for me for Tom Hanks because, I mean, he was all over that role. I mean, you know, you could feel him in that lifeboat. Uh, just, I mean, just every, every second of screen time that went by, I said, oh, so and Tom didn't even get nominated that year. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, you know, I, I think that the, the era of it's always going to be our favorites, you know, we like these people and we're going to continue to give them Oscars over and over again. Maybe some of that started to insert itself into the conversation in the 90s and the, in the early 2000s. Um, and, and of course, yeah, it took way too long for Al Pacino to get an Oscar and not for the roles that he really just like was head and shoulders above everybody else. And I don't know why they're hating on De Niro. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, but, but again, one of the other conversations that we have is that when every now and then someone with a permanent tan doesn't get nominated or doesn't win. And, you know, again, the mathematics are already against you by the fact that in, in a normal year, you have more than 350 films. And then if each film has 10 actors in it, that's 3,500 roles that are gonna be whittled down to just five best and five supporting, you know, male or female. So, you know, it's, you might just go on and take your money and try to win Powerball or, or Mega. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, so, and, and, I, and I'm not quite sure whether in the year that say Catherine Hepburn won four, that there were that many women that were that much more powerful than she was in a, as an actress. But I think now you have a lot more folks who can deliver. Right. So it, it's not as easy. And, and, and year after year, I tried to say Meryl Streep was overrated. And every time I went to see her in a movie, I'm like, damn it, if she didn't just deliver those, I mean, she delivers every time. I don't know what it is about Meryl Streep. I've never met her. I, don't, I probably would never get a chance to work with her, but I'm like, she just delivers. I mean, you know, so, but I think they just decided that they were just going to have to say, okay, we've acknowledged you. You get nominated just about every time you're on the screen, but we're going to have to spread the love a little more. That may be part of what's going on. Uh, we'll see. Uh, if, 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 if the mathematics, if the Academy ever decides to expand the nominations. So now you take people out of roles where they're competing against each other in one category and spread them across a few categories. Maybe we'll see uh, a wider range of, of recipients in the competitive uh, roles. Well, That's just my two cents. Thank, thank you for that. I was going to chime in early and go, you're correct, Russell. I'm not, I don't like your answer, but no, I thought, I thought <laughs> that actually worked quite well. And uh, before I get to Charles, just breaking news out of Sundance, uh, uh, Apple Studios has won the bidding war for the opening night film at Sundance called Coda. Uh, Nate Parker had the record mm. with Birth of a Nation that was 17 and a half million. Coda sold for right. 25 million. Wow. Whoa. Well, well, well okay. it, makes it makes sense now because think of it this way Apple bought that, and Apple is going to probably take that film and release it, I don't know, November, December, and they're gonna they're gonna run that as an Oscar film. If you're spending that kind of money, that's yep. not a we're putting mm -hmm. that on over the summer or this fall. That's uh right. that's an awards contender that they bought. So, you know, so first, and actually right. another film 
called Flea uh, was sold to Neon. Now, when I hear the word Neon, I'm thinking, yeah, that'll be out between April and July. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Because uh, Neon has, has had some pretty good success. Remember, Neon was a par parasite was from Neon as well. So Neon right. has got some right. Right. Well, see, the reason the reason why I'm saying that, Charles, and I'm being funny is because if Neon spent 22 million for Flea, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's they, they that's they got plans for that. But I mean, come on, man. We, we live in a very simplistic world right now as it relates to where we are with the pandemic. Um, you know, despite the fact that we now have uh, as AstraZeneca put their. Uh, they haven't released their, uh, no, their vaccine no. yet. So right now we just have three, right? Correct. Well, so I we think we just have two. Because um, Johnson, Johnson & Johnson has what? Johnson & Johnson has the one shot. Uh, then you've got both um, Pfizer and um, Pfizer Moderna. And Moderna that have the- so I think uh, we only have two. Well, I'm saying they have two, you have to take two vaccines. Two you shots. Know, but I'm right, saying right. Johnson & Johnson has a one-shot vaccine. So we only have those three right. out. And from what I've been told from health professionals close to me, that we need 70% of the population vaccinated uh, before we could return to, you know, Russell taking his wife out to dinner uh, in a concert, Tim going to a comedy club, Charles going to some festival somewhere. So the, we anticipate that if things go well, that possibly between August and October, we will be back in that place again. Right. But it's still a long haul, man. So that's a, you know, you, you get a little bit of everything on the show. You get our, our Cicely Tyson tribute. You get Russell Williams laying down Oscar trivia. You get, you get a little health, you know, some pandemic updates. You get all kinds of stuff here. <laughs> And, 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 I, and I think that um, the, the thing that also is interesting this, this year, and, and I'm including 2020 since we're talking about the awards for the year 2020, is just how there's been so much scrambling in the industry. You know, I mean, projects that could have been ready by the end of this year that came to a grinding halt because of the pandemic, uh, stuff that was done and then, it's kind of like, okay, well, when do we release it? And when are we gonna be able to go back to the theater? And so dates, release dates kept getting moved, you know, to, because I, I'm, I'm old school, obviously. And so there are certain films I wanna see on the big screen and certain films I could say, well, if I have to see it on a smaller screen, I don't know if I'm missing that much in terms of appreciating the, the filmmaker or the storytelling. Uh, it, it's, it's just been a year where everybody has had to scramble. And then, of course, there are people that are literally struggling in the life and death and near death um, experience. And, and, and typically, historically, the, the movie industry, except for the great flu pandemic, you know, was where people ran to get a, some sort of release from you know, uh, the fact that they were in the depression or they're in the middle of a war or what, whatever was going on, even if it was just a personal crisis they were trying to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the fact that we do have these streaming platforms has helped people uh, kind of take their minds, hopefully, off of what's happened and happening. But I assure you that uh, 
this time last year when they, the whispers were just kind of coming out of the newscast about Wuhan and when it was going to hit the U.S. and so forth and so on. I must have rewatched Contagion about three times in a row. I mean, I love that movie when it came out the first time. And my regimen, Tim, which you've already broken the regimen, my regimen had has only been bumped up by wearing a mask every day when I'm out because pretty much everything else I was already doing. But the one thing that they emphasize in Contagion over and over again, Tim, was do not touch your face. <laughs> uh, Russell, I have a quick uh, question. All right, I, I apologize, man. I mean, you know, I hate, I hate when Russell lowers his gaze and just gives you the shake. It's just... <laughs> It's not a comforting uh, piece right there. I'm so. a college professor, man. I mean, and, and see, when I was in the room, it was easier. But now I've got to, you know, let these people <laughs> see what dental work I need done, you know, just to, just to get in their face. So, Charles, you were going to ask me something, sir? I hope I can answer and give you well, a more I'm satisfying answer than at, I gave Tim. I'm looking at the time, so we don't have a whole lot of time. So I'm going to ask this question really quickly. How has the scheduling for things affected uh, the uh, the the Oscar process? Because you know you got films like uh, Billy Holiday and they are coming out in February, which is way too late for any other uh, 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 people to recognize. So you you're, they're missing the the Critics Choice Awards. They're missing all these other things. So there's not the the buildup that's that you're the normal buildup, you know, where they won the award here and the Directors Guild and all these other things. How is that affecting the voting process for the Oscars this year? Right, because I want to say February first, um, and let me not lie to you, because I actually have the calendar right here. I mean, every as you said, everything is everything. Who who did that on Quincy Jones's album? Everything must change. That's, mm -hmm. that's precisely what has happened. And so I want to say the Oscars this year, what, April 25th? Yeah, right. So the preliminary vote is February 1st. The short list is announced February 9th. Um, uh, the nomination voting begins March 5th. Nomination voting ends March 10th. The uh, nomination announcement is March 15th. Okay, so this is even, uh, even in, in my era, the nominations would have been uh, announced on say Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And then the Oscars were still in March, but the nominations now will be announced mid-March. Well, actually, yeah, just about mid-March. And then the luncheon is April 15th and the final voting begins April 15th and the Oscars are April 25th. So that means things that have eked into the first part of 2021 are still eligible for the 2020 Oscar race precisely because all the scheduling has got thrown out the window and other award shows have had to you know, move around this weekend from that weekend. Of course, the Super Bowl is always something people want to avoid. It's it's just a mess. Or if I go literary on you, it's a quagmire. <laughs> I hate when he goes college professor on you, man. That's just, that's just the worst, man. Hey, look, I'm from Southeast, man. I got to get some respect somehow. You know, like my boy Rodney, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of respect, man. You know, no All right, so here we go, gentlemen. We got six minutes to go in this broadcast five minutes ago. Um, we started off the show and I want to end it the way we started it, talking about uh, the passing yes. of Cicely Tyson. 
And what I wanted to read, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I apologize because my phone is blowing up because folks are like in shock at $25 million. Coda better be good. That's all I can tell you. If, if, if it's a $25 million movie, I saw Birth of a Nation. That was $17.5 million well spent outside of all of the other time. Right. But um, yeah, I'm gonna, I wanted to read the last couple paragraphs of uh, the piece that I wrote. Uh, because I was really quiet. I mean, if anybody follows me on social media, you know, anytime there's a loss of some kind, I'm quickly up like Henry Aaron this week. Uh, right. Uh, uh, Mr. Cheney yesterday, um, John Cheney out of Temple. Right. I'm quick to put something up, man, when people pass. But I had to, I had to take a break for uh, Cicely Tyson because I had to think through that because I was like, it's just her career merits a lot more than we remember Cicely Tyson. Um, so let me just read you last couple of things I wrote. Um, while I never had the pleasure to meet Mrs. Tyson, her passing leaves a criticized void and not just how we see us, but in how she helped us see ourselves. Uh, born into a very different world than right. the one she left, Tyson was blessed to experience the impact of her work and how the torch was passed to future generations, including many who gave her the opportunity to work in their projects in later years. Her early performances inspired a wave of Black filmmakers who continued to build on Tyson's iconic life, showing her that her lasting legacy was the representation that she championed, which will continue to live on long after this towering cinematic griot's life has ended. Now, Russell has been said that so long as they speak your name, you shall never die. Mrs. Cicely Tyson, while you're gone from us in the physical space, your spirit will continue to live on in all of our hearts. Um, so I was, I was really inspired, man, because I was silent for about three hours. And, uh, you know, people wanted to reach out. And I was like, man, this is huge. This, is, this feels different. It would, this would be akin to if we lost Sidney Poitier. Now, Portier has been retired, I don't know, Russell, what, 20 years now? Maybe longer? Sidney hmm. Portier? Uh-oh, he's he You're muted. muted, man. You got us on mute. Sorry, uh, I, I was hearing some noise <laughs> in the background. Uh, longer, I think. Longer, right. So, but my point is, and, and you know, people tease me all the time because I remember, Russell, we had this conversation I interviewed you in your office for about three hours one day. And I went home because I, at the time I was working on a book proposal and I called Sidney Portier's office up, just, you know, trying to make an appointment with him. And he answered the phone and talked to me for <laughs> an hour. And I, you know, I was filled with so many emotions. This, this man means, in my world, he means everything. This is the guy who's the first leading man, first black leading man from 1950. And every actor, if it's Chadwick Boseman, Denzel Washington, Lawrence Fishburne, you name any actor, they would not be where they are if there was no Sidney Poitier. Cicely Tyson's right. situation is a little different. It's not that she came along or was a pioneer in that way that she was the first of her kind. But what, what the difference is, is the, her level of longevity, whereas, as you said, Sydney may have been retired 25, 30 years. Cicely Tyson I, had I, a movie. Yeah, or his last movie was, was, was 20 years ago. 
Right. Uh, Cicely Tyson's last movie was last year. <laughs> so she worked up until she was 95 years old, which is vastly different than what Sydney did. So hey. uh, any closing comments from you gentlemen? We got about three minutes, man. Um, Charles, you go first because you barely say anything on the show these days. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Cicely Tyson. Um, icon, simply put, the class, full of class, full of grace. Uh, right up until the end, the, I would say the hardest working woman in 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 African American cinema. That I, uh, it's just astounding, and uh, I think it's sad though, and I no one else has mentioned it that I, it's sad that I, her last movie that <laughs> was a fall from grace. Um, I like to think of her going out better as you know what she did with uh, um, how to get away with murder or maybe even cherish the day, even those, those were came after a fall from grace. But again, even in that movie, her part was pivotal. And so she just never mm. took a role where it wasn't important. And so I, I, I give it up for the ultimate icon in class and grace. That's Cicely Tyson. Russell. Got the last word, bro. Um, I, I would say I wouldn't even I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even qualify as African-American. She's the hardest working actress that we know of in, in our time, all class. And then uh, Tim had mentioned Sydney, who that film in the heat of the night is what made me want to get in the business. When I met him years later at a Liz Taylor Life Achievement Award, I said, well, you know, I work behind the camera and it's probably too late for me to consider acting. And Sydney said, never too late. <laughs> That's how classy he is. I love when you give me a Sydney, a Sydney impression, man, at the end of the show. But gentlemen, um, I want to thank uh, Russell for uh, for gracing us today and uh, in a Sundance heavy weekend. Charles Kirkland, you are the man. We got to get we got to start scripting stuff for Charles because we need more Charles on the show. But maybe I'm just taking up too much oxygen. Uh, on the show. You know, when you put a guy like Russell Williams on the show, all, all I can do is just sit back and relax, oh. man. He's got all, he's got all the tidbits. It's now, I, it's I can Wilson. argue with Tim Gordon, but Russell Williams? Nah. <laughs> I'm just going to relax. I'm telling people now, and Russell doesn't know it, but um, I've been promising to put Oscar winner Kevin Wilmot together with two-time Oscar winner Russell Williams mm -hmm. And we have a lead up to the Oscars. And I promise you, you, you do not want to miss that show. Kevin, Kevin Wilmot is, is the exact same version of Russell, Will, Russell Williams, except he's a Midwestern version where Russell is a Northeastern version. So that ought to be a lot of fun to see two Oscar winners. Because I, I want to talk to more of you guys about this process um, and have people understand. I know they hear from Russell on this show every year. So we're trying to widen the net as I bring more Oscar winners on as we do the lead up. And this is a great year to do it because there's so much with now a 14 month eligibility period versus the usual 12. But uh, gentlemen, as I say in closing with every show. Tim, yes. for that show, when you have that show, I'll be like this for the whole, I'll be like this for the whole <laughs> Yeah, because don't hide, Charlie. Don't hide, man. Yeah, between Russell and Kevin, man, there ain't gonna be a lot of room, man. It's not not a lot of air on that show, bro. Uh, but as I say, in fact, don't hate. Don't. 
you guys uh, see something wonderful at the movies. Matter of fact, I'm going to put up a list, uh, a link to a bunch of movies from Cicely Tyson. Just check some of them out. And you'll understand why this sister was so very special, not just to us, but to film in general. You guys take care. Russell, Charles, thank both of you guys, man. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care.